Hello and welcome to episode number four of the MLS Aces podcast. This is your host, Tom Sweezy, and today I'm joined by my co-host for his second ever episode, Riley McManus. Riley, how you doing today? I'm doing good. It is still 75 degrees in Louisiana, which was <laughs> great in January. Uh, how, how's your weather? Um, it, it's like 50. It's been warm. I, I wore, uh, you know, no jacket today, so that was good for me. Yeah, I wore shorts. So. <laughs> I wish right now. I think that should be like a, a thing we do every week. Like, how's your weather? Because <laughs> being here from two different parts of the United States. And I'll, just... I'll feel awful about my weather every single week. <laughs> okay. So, as you know, today was a big day in the historical significance of the United States of America. Because we are recording a podcast. Nothing big is going on today. It's, you know, MLS's, MLS Aces Pod, Episode 4, my second appearance. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing going on today, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else. Okay, so moving to the football, as I say in England, but we're an American. You, you and I are both American, so we say soccer. Yeah, we'll say soccer. <laughs> uh, what's up? What's up first? Um... It's like you said, it's the MLS off season, and you know things get a little slow in the off season. So this week we'll have a shorter podcast, and there's only was really three moves, and I guess one big uh, piece of news that that uh, was going on. Um, so we'll get to the first signing. Um, first, we have a it's not a signing; it's a trade. I think it's probably the biggest piece of news maybe so far this off season. The Chicago Fire have traded $400,000 in targeted allocation money to the New York Red Bulls for center defensive mid Dax McCarty. Um, Dax is a team legend in some eyes. He's a fan favorite in many eyes. He's played over 160 matches for the Red Bulls. And plenty of Red Bull players like Bradley Wright Phillips have acknowledged how much he will be missed and how much he meant to the club. Um, He's 29 years old and he's one of the better midfielders in the league. He has improved his passing drastically and in 2015 was honored with an all-star appearance and in Major League Soccer Best 11, uh, Team of the Year Best 11. Um, I am a big fan of Dax McCarty. I love his play. I love that he is a ginger. And, you know, I, I think it's a great improvement for the fire midfield. Dax McCarty is an MLS namesake. It's one of the guys you think of when you think of Major League Soccer that have played here and played here and played here. This would be his third MLS team, of course, being traded from D.C. United to New York. He knows how to handle a trade and adjust in two different environments. Mm-hmm. We've seen that. He made New York his own. He was the captain of the Red Bulls. 163 regular season appearances and played 14,000 minutes. Both club records... I mean, he is just a staple within that organization. And I'm pretty sure Sean Davis is going to be great for, you know, filling in that spot. He'll have to learn on the go. I'm sure Dax taught him some stuff. But my real question is, Sasha Kleshton's the captain, right? Uh, I think him he, him or Bradley Ray Phillips probably step in as that captain. Uh, I mean, it's Sasha's job. It has to be Sasha's job. I, I think so. I think, you know, he controls that midfield. He controls what goes on, you know, in, in the field of play. Yeah, I think it's 
even if it wasn't question, I think Robles would get it over Bradley Phillips. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. I think it's probably question Robles or Phillips, but I think it's more question than anyone else. Yeah. Question, you know, solid, solid midfielder. U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> I'm Dax McCarty, U.S. Men's National Team. Another U.S. Men's National Team member was on the move this week. The LA Galaxy have officially signed center defensive midfielder Jermaine Jones. He has spent three seasons in MLS with the Rapids and New England Revolution, uh, getting five goals in 6-6 and 37 combined appearances. Uh, he's played 15 years in Bundesliga for uh, Frankfurt, Byron Leverkusen, and Schalke. And you're going to help me out with the new L.A. coaches name because I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Kurt Anolfo. Okay. Well, he <laughs> said <laughs> he has a relentless engine on the field, and we are confident he will strengthen our midfield. So the Galaxy signed another 35-year-old, and I talked with Matt Doyle this week for the Wolf One News Network, and L.A. fans are kind of split. They don't really like another 35-year-old. They don't really want another 35-year-old. But the question is for me, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to last the duration of games? And how many times is he going to get a red card? What do you think of the move? Um, see, when I, when, I see, when I think of Jermaine Jones, I don't think a normal 35-year-old. Uh, because when you do see him play, he's just like a ball of energy running around that field, still playing very physical and still playing hard. Uh, my biggest question isn't really his health-wise. My biggest question is where he will actually play for the Galaxy. And, you know, I think he could probably bolster any part of that midfield for the Galaxy, but I... I I'm not. I'm, I feel like I'm like Galaxy fans. I'm not crazy about the move. I don't hate it. I think it's a help, and I think he can only do positives for the team next season. Well, we saw him play number ten for Colorado last year. So exactly. Just, just keep on. Keep in mind he has that skill set to play at number ten. Whether he's going to be effective for thirty-four games, that's he hasn't played a thirty-four game season in MLS yet. I think he's better as center defensive mid, and. Ultimately, that's where he's probably going to play for the for the Galaxy. Well, after I saw the signing, I you know I jumped onto the Galaxy website and I just wanted to see like who who are their midfielders who consist of that midfield. So I saw Baggio Husidic, Sebastian Legette, who they just re-signed on a longer contract deal, Emmanuel Boateng, Giovanni Dos Santos kind of played a center forward, center attacking mid role a little bit last season, but I. We'll see where he plays. Um, Zardis could bump out to a wide midfielder because we've seen that before. And the newest LA Galaxy signing, uh, Joao Pedro. He is a 23-year-old midfielder for Portu- um, from Portugal. Um, Pedro played most recently played for Vitoria Guiarmes in Portuguese First Division. He worked his way up from the team's lower division, and he's secured a starting spot for the club in most recent history. Um, from what I've seen of him and from what I've read about him, he's not a goal-scoring midfielder. He's more of a possession midfielder, and he at times he can bounce back to a defensive midfielder role. So I don't know if his play might you know, interfere with Jermaine Jones or we'll, like. Looking at this recent signing and looking at Jermaine Jones, it'll be interesting to see how the two play together. 
it's going to be very, very fun. The Galaxy this year, to watch him kind of mesh together, because I don't think Jermaine Jones is going to like this guy, because they basically play the same position. That's what it feels like to me. They play the, a very similar position. And I think Jermaine Jones is probably going to fight somebody by the end of the year. <laughs> probably probably this guy, because he's new. Uh, this guy's going to, from the looks of it, and from the way he's been talked about, because I've read articles on him, USA Today, MLSoccer.com, all these different perspectives. It looks like he's not going to do very, very well in his first year in MLS, which most people don't. But moving into that midfield that still has key components from last year, with Jermaine Jones coming in and Legette come back from a contract extension, I don't think he's going to get a lot of time. And I don't think he's going to get a lot of, like, you know, he's not going to get a lot of prestige. So I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Maybe he'll come around. Maybe next season he'll be good. But I don't think it's going to be a good year for this guy. Do you see it as a positive, him coming in kind of a similar Jermaine Jones role, maybe learn behind learn behind Jermaine Jones and possibly, like, if Jermaine Jones is out with a red card, he can fill in for a game, get some playing time experience, and, you know, kind of work his way into the team like that? Oh, yeah, it's definitely good to have depth, especially for Jermaine Jones because he might get hurt, might get a red card, mm-hmm. might try to fight somebody. Exactly. I mean, it's always good to have that guy on your roster. But hopefully Jermaine Jones is going to teach him. <laughs> hopefully, um, just after and, and don't and don't give me and don't get me wrong. I love Jermaine Jones. Oh, I love him too. Jermaine Jones is a great player. He's one of my favorite players. It's just it's fun to see him get fired up, especially you know in la- in last year's Copa America when he tried to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Um, after these two moves, what I'm what I I'm optimistic about for the Galaxy is that they kind of you know th- this is a youth move. He's 23. He still has his better days of playing soccer in front of him, and still after signing these two players, they have two DP spots left, and they are still the Los Angeles Galaxy. They still have money, and they can still make big moves and surprise people out there. So I say watch out for the Galaxy. Heading into the future. I'm not saying, like, right now, they're not the great team on paper, but watch out with what they can do. And they're also going to get a lot of money from renting out Step Up Arena <laughs> yeah, to the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> the Chargers will afford the next designated player signing for the LA Galaxy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, just a quick side note to this week. Uh, no one's talked about the MLS draft rounds three and four, which is basically just fill out your U.S. Dell teams and hope they pan out, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, no one cares. I'm not excited about it, but... I mean, the, the first couple rounds of the draft is always, like, top ten. Then, who's your team got? Then it's, like, second round's kind of okay. And no one cares about third and fourth. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the MLS uh, Super Draft. I'm really not. I don't know. There's just there's no real excitement about it. I feel like they try to make it like the NFL NBA Draft, and it's just you know you know who's gonna come in, you know who's gonna perform. That's really it. But the thing with the draft last year's draft was kind of surprising because Keegan Roseberry came in and dominated. Jack Harrison looked good for a little while before dropping off. 
Brandon Vincent came in, probably the most ready-to-play player in MLS. Joshua Yarrow, he performed pretty well. You know, he had his struggles, got bumped down to the Bethlehem Steel. But he, last year's draft was pretty good. Then you got that uh, guy in Toronto who performed excellent throughout the playoffs. MLS had a pretty good draft year last year. No, I mean, I think it did, and I, but I think that's also going to be a, a one-in-a-million draft kind of thing. Like, I feel like... You know, watching last year's draft, they got people excited for this year's draft, and I don't think it's going to have the same the uh, same end result coming into this season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And that was just a little quick side note. No, uh, give the, the uh, super draft some love. I wouldn't necessarily. I would. I would say more that I'm acknowledging its existence, <laughs> not so much love. <laughs> but the, the ultimate way to get players in MLS is not draft them. You, you sign them, whether that be European or, you know, homegrown. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to be it's our it's our way of trying to incorporate NCAA soccer kind of thing. Yeah, it's college soccer. Yeah. All right, moving to our last piece of discussion and probably one of the most interesting things from this offseason so far. Timothy Howard says something interesting. And I love Timothy Howard for many reasons because he's the Secretary of Defense. He said about Jurgen Klinsmann and foreign born players, quote, I think, he didn't say Bruce Arena, but he was referencing him. I think Bruce will add his, this ability to truly believe in the shirt. And I, and I think we lost that a little over the last couple of years, of course, referencing Jurgen Klinsmann. So, that's the first of three quotes. I want to get you quote by quote. What do you think of our naturally beloved goalkeeper taking a shot at your I'm fine with it. I think every you know person who follows the U.S. men's national team has taken a shot at Jurgen Klinsmann, and I'm sure there are plenty of players in the locker room who didn't like Jurgen Klinsmann. And Tim Howard is older. He only has a few, few more years left with the team. And you know what, say what you want about Jurgen Klinsmann because in the end he wasn't what he lived up to be and I'm happy he has faith in our current manager. And I agree with you. Jurgen Klinsmann's out. Tim Howard's done so much for the U.S. He can pretty much say what he wants. It's to a certain point. (laughs) Yeah, there's always limitations on that, but as far as criticizing the coaches, you can pretty much say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. As far as, you know, ex-coaches. Second quote is, I know there were players that came in and it didn't matter as much to referencing, you know, foreign-born players. Howard also said if you get enough of those players, one or two can get found out. But if you have enough of those players and you lose sight of what you're all about, while I, while it was a good idea in theory, it had flaws. Bruce, not Bruce, Bruce will get will 100% get that back. So what he's basically saying is he was making a reference to players who didn't necessarily care about the U.S. for the national team. They were basically only on the U.S. team because their country didn't want them. It kind of sounds a little Abby Wambach-ish, mm-hmm. which her comments were absolutely absurd. If a player wants to play for the U.S. and he has eligibility to play for the U.S., he should play for the U.S. But Howard's saying whether those players really care to play for the U.S. So, 
I mean, he didn't say anybody specific. What do you think about his comments there? Um, I agree with you. After listening to that uh, quote from Tim Howard, I, I first thought of players like Jermaine Jones and Fabian Johnson who have really, you know, solidified a starting spot on the team and have proved themselves to be two of the better players, you know, in more, 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 eh, in more recent history for the uh, men's national team. So, like, I think of them, and, you know, they weren't U.S. Uh, raised, but they're still two of our better players, two of our well-known players, and two fan favorites. But then I think of a foreign-born player like Timmy Chandler. Timmy Chandler is great in the Bundesliga. He is a starting, you know, right-back, right-winger in the Bundesliga, but whenever he seems to play for the men's national team, it doesn't go over well. And I... I, you know, I don't know, I'm not accusing Timmy Chandler of not having heart and soul for his national team, but could it be something like that? Could it be he's just not passionate about the country he plays for? And, you know, Germ- the United States is a second option for him? Maybe, but it, it's hard to it's hard to say who's passionate and who's not, because I'm sure there are plenty of U.S. born and raised players who aren't passionate for their team, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And Jermaine Jones was not pleased with those comments. I don't have the exact quotes. I don't know exactly what he said. I was reading about that as well. And he was very, very displeased with Tim Howard. Mm -hmm. That's two guys you really don't want fighting. Two previous teammates with the uh, Rapids. Yeah, I mean, they, they know each other very well. Even before Jones played for any team in Major League Soccer, before Howard came over from Everton. These two guys have been teammates since 2009. Exactly. When Jones, when Jones got his approval from FIFA to play for the American, for the American team. Now, Jermaine Jones, sure he's going to be displeased, and sure he's going to talk to Howard privately, and that'll blow over, and that'll be all fine. But Howard's last comment was this: If you want to go to Europe, that's fine. But come 2018, I would guess 80% of our roster will be made up of MLS players. It is not about where you play. It's about what you bring to the team and how much you care. Now, that seems to be kind of another dig at players that don't care. Now, he's in that camp, or he's not in January camp, but he's in that camp very frequently when he plays for the U.S. Obviously, some of those players are not caring as much as they should. He didn't name drop. He didn't give any hints. But ultimately, it comes down to Bruce Arena is going to weed out those guys who don't care. Jurgen Klinsmann didn't. He promised them he would play for the U.S., and they got to play for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the guys who wanted to play for the U.S., like Benny Fellhaber and Darlington Agby, they didn't get in because those promises weren't made. Jurgen Klinsmann ran a promise system, and it failed. Bruce Arena will bring in the guys who want to play for the U.S., the American-based guys who want to play for the U.S., now, whether they're from this country or not, they want to play for the U.S. men's national team. And that's ultimately what matters. If they're not good enough for Germany, they're not good enough for Germany. If they're not good enough for Brazil, just an example, they're not good enough for Brazil. But if they want to play for the U.S., let them play for the U.S. Because ultimately, that's what you want. You want heart, you want passion, and you want just absolute 100% effort. You know, I completely agree with that. I want the guys playing for my country, no matter what country I'm supporting, to be, you know, playing with every single piece of passion they have, like every blood, sweat, and tear for the state, for the country that they're supporting. 
and it's that they're playing for. And I like I when I was hearing like reading you know uh, Tim Howard's comments, I really didn't take it as a shot at players like Jermaine Jones, Fabian Johnson, Timmy Chandler, you know those those uh, foreign-born U.S. players. I took it more as a shot at Jurgen Klinsmann's stint with the national team, just how maybe Howard just didn't agree with how Klinsmann ran it. You know what I mean? Like that—that's how I took it. I didn't take it as a direct shot at these players. I took it as a shot at I like what Bruce Arena is doing, focusing on America, America's league, rather than like I'm gonna look like as Jurgen Klinsmann kind of had. I'm gonna look at the Bundesliga players. And they're going to get starting spots because they play in a better league, type of thing. Yeah, I would love. Look, if a, if an American guy played for Bayern Munich, like Julian, like not even Julian Green, but started for Bayern Munich, and he didn't want or care to play for the U.S., I would much rather take a guy from the Chicago Fire who wants and plays for the U.S. I mean, not he even would, not even that. Like, let's say you take someone playing for Bayern Munich. I would rather have Bobby Wood. Not I'm not talking about like where they were raised. I'm talking about if Bobby Wood has more heart than as a starting striker for I think Hamburg, right? Or no, yeah, Alberta yeah, no, no Hamburg, yeah. If, yeah, if Bobby Hamburg, Wood has more heart playing for Hamburg, I want him over the starting striker who's playing for Bayern Munich. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's all about like. Like Howard said, it all it's all about how much you care. Because if you care, there's nothing in the world that can stop you if you have the talent and you have the just pure effort on the field. Now, if you don't care, you're not going to put as much effort. You're not going to focus on the details. And ultimately, you're not going to be that good a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the skill in the world. But if you don't care, it, it's, it's worthless. Yes, I think what it comes down to here is, you know, Tim Tim Howard may have said some things that were wrong, which I think he did. You know, I think he kind of hinted at some things that were wrong, and but he also said some things that I agree with. I want eleven players start going out on the field who are committed to play for the United States of America. I don't care where they're born. I just want eleven committed players who love that, who love our country, and who want to go win for the United States. Yeah, Kikita Manu certainly cares. Fine, yeah, like, you know what, like, I, I don't care, any of these guys, I, I want them, and, you know, we're gonna continue the, uh, the Mane references. <laughs> he'll listen one day. <laughs> one day, you know, he he's the podcast favorite player right now, he tops the list. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, so, like we said, you know, to start the podcast, this is gonna be a really short pod, just because the lack of news, um, lack of signings. But as we, you know, as we get into the next week and weeks uh, prior, you know, we hope more news comes in and we hope more games come in and, you know, we can have a little bit of a longer pod. So, uh, Riley, is there anything else you wanted to kind of say before we finish off the pod? When's March 5th? Uh, I mean, March 5th. I mean, if you want me to get exact with that answer, but <laughs> still a while. I mean, that's, I mean, off season kind of sucks. <laughs> in the regard, there's nothing to talk about except for Dax McCarthy moving teams. I mean, but, that's the biggest move of the offseason so far. I, I'm I'm excited about it. The Chicago Fire got much, much better. I don't think Bastion Swine coming in there anymore. I mean, imagine a, 
a midfield of Juninho, Dax McCarty, Matt Polster, and Bastian Schweinsteiger. I don't know where they're all playing, but that's a solid four midfielder, midfielders. Well, okay, another side note since we still have a little bit more time. New York Red Bulls, what are they doing? They got rid of Lloyd Sam. They got rid of Dax McCarthy. They freed up a lot of money. What do you think they're going to do? Um, I think they're going with the youth movement. The Red Bulls, too, just won the USL Cup. Um, it, you like People around MLS know the major Red Bull 2 players. You know, like Derek Etienne Jr., Tyler Adams, Sean Davis. These young guys who, who are going to be eventually the future starters of the club. And I think, you know, they're slowly moving in with Sean Davis, who's 23, so he's a bit older. You know, I think they're going to eventually move in with Derek Etienne Jr. coming up, playing a wing position. You know, they, I, I think they're going with the youth movement, and I'm 100% happy with that. I thought they would go a different route. Um, I was, Of course, I'm going to reference my talk with Matt Doyle then, because Matt Doyle is ultimately one of the best MLS analyst there is, because he is the MLS analyst. He's armchair. Armchair analyst. He and I kind of were on the same train of thought since Terrence Boyd's move to one of the other Red Bull teams fell through. They freed up some money. Terrence Boyd could be that second striker so they can play the 4-2-2-2, which all the Red Bull teams seem to play. I think they could be gearing up for a Terrence Boyd move. I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. Terrence Boyd has kind of, I think, fallen through with the German team. Like, he is not really getting minutes. So I think, you know, I think, you know, definitely keep him in-house. Keep him, you know, he's an American player, technically. I think he's American, right? Yeah, and, I believe uh, so. Keep him, you know, why not bring him to MLS where he gets starting minutes? Or not? maybe not starting minutes, but maybe solid minutes off the bench. And, I mean... I think it's going to be a youth movement signed with, like, combined with, let's keep these solid uh, starting, like, quality players. Like, with Sasha Kleschen surrounded by maybe a very young midfield with Bradley Wright Phillips and maybe another young few strikers up top. You know what I mean? Like, something like that, which I, I, I am a fan of. You keep that solid veteran presence with the youth. Yeah, and going back to the beginning of the year when the Red Bulls were just flat on awful and they lost their first eight games, they tried the full 4-2-2-2, and they just didn't have the pieces for it. Jesse Marge obviously wanted to go a different route to shock everybody. He obviously wanted to try something different, and maybe Terrence Boyd could be that answer, or maybe other, any other European-based player they bring in, or they might trade for one. Who mm-hmm. knows? Because it's Major League Soccer, and a lot of weird things happen. That that, that should be the uh, slogan of Major League Soccer. It's Major League Soccer where weird things happen. <laughs> Me and you were talking, you know, before the show. Toronto was probably the best team in MLS last year, besides FC Dallas. I mean, I think on they paper, finished, and they finished third. No, exactly. Like, uh, like Toronto, I think on paper was the best team in the East, at least if you want, you know, like if you if you don't want to say the entire league, they have a veteran back line. You have Michael Bradley playing in like that, that six role you have uh wow i can't think of the team but you have josie altador and sebastian javinko up top you have you know canadian uh, men's national team player jonathan azorio is like your kind of cent- uh, center attacking mid player 
And they had Will Johnson before he moved to Orlando. You you have Will Johnson, you know, kind of maybe if he wants to play that center defensive mid role and Bradley goes up, you have you you they had so many good players. And I mean, I think it definitely sparked them for an MLS Cup run. You know what I mean? Like the way they finished off the season was phenomenal. Then you have like Seattle, who was dead last in the West in July. Then it just kind of it just kind of happened, and they won. Seattle, so Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, if you're listening, you would probably be eighth in the Western Conference right now. <laughs> Don't you worry, you still might win the Premier League. <laughs> I mean, but I think Seattle. Like I wanted to say this on uh, like my uh, the Seattle specific podcast we had a few days. Uh, a few podcasts ago when we had uh, Noah on for the interview. Seattle proved something to me that I think should that I think is going to dominate MLS. A quality center defensive mid in Ozzy Alonso, and I think if you have two uh, fullbacks that can push up the field and help an offense, I think you can do very well in MLS. I think Jovan Jones, Tyrone Mears, and Ozzy Alonso was a key, key reason why Seattle Sounders won MLS Cup last season. But the catch with that, when you have two fullbacks going forward, you have to have two good center backs to kind of lean back and... Which they had. Protect, protect it, yeah. Center backs were great. Chad Morsell was probably one of the best defenders in the league. And Roman Torres is just as good. If if he wasn't injury prone, he would probably be number one best, uh, best center back in the league. In worst case scenario, Brad Evans could field in back there. Exactly. I mean, they had the center backs... I mean, Seattle was good last year, but not really. But then they won the Cup, so. I mean, I think all yeah. the pieces came together at the right time for Seattle. Yeah, Lader- L- that Ladero guy really helped, though. Eh, he's okay. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's all right. Uh, but I think that's it. We got a little got a little extended version of the show at the end. We didn't really plan for that. It just kind of happened. And which, which I'm fine with. That still wasn't a podcasting. You don't really know what you're going to talk about. You can have <laughs> stuff written down, but conversation kind of takes you down the road you don't really plan for. And I always love my MLS uh, conversation. And as do I, and that's why we're doing this together. Now, Riley, I wanted to give you time for some uh, for some self-plugging right here. Yeah, self-promotion is what makes America great. <laughs> okay, so if you are not aware... I am employed by this thing on YouTube called the World Football News Network. It is a channel in which we talk about soccer. I am the lead American guy, but I'm also now recently named the head of the network due to promotion and relegation. Um, That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that to stuff when we really don't have anything to talk about. That'll be next week when there's one signing. <laughs> yeah, but I interview people from various paths up- upon the MLS road. I interviewed Phil West, who wrote a book. We interviewed, uh, we talked about MLS Cup. I interviewed Joshua Yarrow, who was absolutely fantastic and had hours worth of questions for. I interviewed this week, actually Wednesday, which would be two days ago. I interviewed the armchair analyst Matthew Doyle, which I have mentioned previously because I'm proud of that because Matthew Doyle is huge in our industry. Me and him talked about signings, the DAC, uh, the DAX thing, Jermaine Jones, Tim Howard's comments, and U.S. Men's National Team, January camp, 
you can go listen to that. You can go watch it. Our voice doesn't really match up. We had some we had some problems, but I still love my editor Jack Hoover. He is absolutely absolutely brilliant. Shout out to and, Jack. Yeah, shout out to Jack. Hope he's hope he's gonna listen to this. But yeah, that, that's what I got going on. It's a lot more to come, and hopefully we have just as good as guests on this podcast. Uh, you know, if we I hope one day. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll get to work on that. <laughs> I'm going to do some self-plugging now. Uh, this week I released an interview that I had with Mr. Phil West. Uh, very just It was a very, very brief interview, but, you know, I posted that up on my blog at sportsblog.com, and you can, uh, you know, find a link for that in our Twitter. And um, it was just, you know, a very short interview, but I loved his opinion of U.S. players, uh, Major League Soccer and Major League uh, MLS Cup as a whole. And uh, I do have a few more interviews coming out. Um, I'll give you a hint that one of my interviews coming out is with a Colorado Rapids striker. So, uh, you know, get get ready for that one. <laughs> um, is there history. Uh, you know, keep you uh, on your toes. Uh, yes, I'd actually do something else. I would like to say who I have coming up. I may or may not have a statistician from ESPN on the docket. I think I can think of that who that is because ESPN's kind of small at soccer. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to uh, some fans Google searching. Yeah, the one guy you know from ESPN stats and info that does soccer. <laughs> Okay, he's still a uh, big name. Yeah, they verified on Twitter. That's, that's all. That, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um. And uh, another thing before we let you go, this is probably the last thing, unless podcast happens. Um, if you would like to make donations to the MLS Aces podcast or the blog, the link is in the Twitter. Uh, Tom, you are more educated than I am about this, so you tell them how to give us money. Yeah. <laughs> The um, it's not giving us money; it's giving the podcast money. Uh, the money that we get from donations will not go into our pockets at all. It will go towards improving the podcast. If equipment breaks down, we will replace that equipment. We will, you know, maybe improve equipment into the future. If we have some extra money, then I would love to do like kind of like a giveaway type of thing, so like we can, you know, come up with an MLS Aces giveaway, maybe some T-shirts, whatever. Um, that's all depending on how much money comes in, and it's mainly to help us get some money to run this better, to entertain you guys more. And like Riley said, you go over to our Twitter at MLS Aces, and there's a link in the bio to go donate. Um, now, yeah, I guess we'll finish off the podcast here. And uh, Riley, I want to thank you for joining me on this lovely Friday night. I would love to accept your thanks and give some back <laughs> thank you um i want to thank the listeners for you know listening to episode number four and i hope you guys can join us again for episode number five coming next week have a great night guys